Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Peter is writing this letter to a group of people who were who went through the day of Pentecost, but now they are being spread out. They're being chased out, if you will, out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, and they are going everywhere. They're being dispersed. And so he's writing them, and he's writing to them that they might have a living hope, to know that their hope is not dead. It's not a dead religion. It's not just some fable, some story that somebody made up. We don't serve a, a, a dead Savior. He's alive and very well, thank you. He's in, risen in heaven. Can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep it from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart want to sing. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a study in the book of 1 Peter. There are two epistles Peter wrote under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which are encouraging and inspiring as much today as they were when they were written. Notice that as we go through these epistles, Peter's life has changed drastically from the time Jesus was physically here with him and now that he has received the Holy Spirit and was born from above. For us followers of Jesus Christ, it's the same. We too are new creations in Christ. Let's join Pastor Rob for the introduction of First Peter. This morning, if you could, let's open up to Peter's first letter. First Peter. Obviously, when we look at this letter, we see right from the very beginning who it's from. It's from the Apostle Peter. And this letter was actually written somewhere around the year 63. And uh, Paul was martyred in Rome under the hand of Nero around 64. So this letter was written when the persecution in the church was well underway and was going to even ramp up. And just before, Jerusalem would actually be destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, you remember. And so Peter is writing this letter to a group of Jewish believers and, and also Gentile believers who are undergoing persecution. And what a, a great thing to receive, a letter of comfort when you're going through difficulties. You know, in our country, we really haven't seen this kind of persecution. Uh, in other parts of the world, uh, Christians undergo great persecution because of their faith. But thank God in our country, at least for now, the, the most we might get is a snarl or maybe uh, a boss who hates God or hates Christianity. He may overlook you for a promotion. You may have friends who distance themselves from you because you uh, claim to be born-again Christian, you know, one of those fundamental pre-tribbers. And, you know, there's no other way to be. And so Paul is writing, I'm sorry, Peter is writing this letter to a group of people who, were, who went through the day of Pentecost, but now they are being spread out. They're being chased out, if you will, out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, and they are going everywhere. They're being dispersed. 
And so he's writing them, and he's writing to them that they might have a living hope, to know that their hope is not dead, it's not a dead religion, it's not just some fable, some story that somebody made up. We don't serve a, a, a dead Savior. He's alive and very well, thank you. He's in, risen in heaven. You know, after his resurrection, he was seen on the earth for 40 days, of upwards to 500 people, several of them at once. And the disciples saw him on the Mount of Olives descend, or ascend excuse me, into heaven from the Mount of Olives. They saw it with their very own eyes. And Jesus said, where I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come and I will receive you unto myself. And this is the hope that Peter is sharing with these believers, that they serve a living God. You notice in the Bible, we know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these are the, the patriarchs of the Jewish, you know, of the Bible, right? And they're all dead, physically. But the Lord always refers to them as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as if they're still living. Because they are. They're alive. Who was it on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, other than Jesus? Who was Jesus speaking to? He was speaking to Moses and Elijah, these, older, these old patriarchs of the Bible, they were very much alive in a resurrected body. There they were, and he was talking to them. And so what great comfort for Peter to come and to share these things, that they have a living hope. That's why we sang the song this morning, A Living Hope. It's a living hope. What are you hoping for? What is the greatest thing that you're hoping for? You know, sometimes I can get caught up in the world and I can say, Lord, I, I, I just, you know, it'd be really nice to have that house on Lake Avenue <laughs> or Lake Road out here, you know, on, on a nice bluff overlooking the ocean with very thick windows and a grand piano in my sunroom. You know, there's a lot of things we could hope for, right? We hope for retirement. The day that our sons, our daughters are married off, they graduate from college, they get married, they have kids and you know, all these milestones of life, but a living hope. Those things are awesome and wonderful, and God blesses us with them. But the greatest thing is that we know that Jesus is returning for us. He is our living hope. And I love that. So Peter is writing to them that they have a living hope. And he was also exhorting them as we get into the letter to submit to governments and, 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 and submit to their masters, because many of them were slaves. Not slaves like we would think of in the southern part of our country back in the you know, 18, 1900s where slaves were treated poorly. These were um, people who willingly served under a master to pay off debts. And he also would go on to them and exhorted them to submit wives to their husbands and the husbands to the wives and Christians to each other to submit. And then later on in the epistle, he will also talk about the, the suffering that Christ went through. And the suffering as a result that we are, gonna, we are going to go through. For if they did it to the Son of God, surely they're going to do it to us. Because we're no different. Because the servant is not greater than his master. right? And whatever they did to Jesus, they're going to do to us as well. And he would go on in, in, uh, in I believe it's uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, he would actually make this statement. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 
You know, and if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You know, and so he is encouraging them that, that these things are coming. They're coming toward you. And they're coming to our country. I don't know if we really have any guarantee in the next several years what this country is going to be like, but I can tell you this. Even in my short life, I've seen such a great difference. Even within the last 10 years, there's been a really huge shift of things. And if you're alive and breathing this morning, you can say amen to that. But folks, don't get, uh, don't kind of burrow a hole under the ground and hide. Now is the time that we've got to take this living hope that we have, Jesus Christ. We have to take this seriously, our faith seriously. We have to stand for our faith. And everything around us is trying to silence that voice. Everything around us, the media, everything, even the political correctness is all to stifle you, to keep your mouth shut concerning who Jesus is. And you feel it, don't you? When you're out in public and you're in a mixed group and the word Jesus comes up and you have an opportunity to say something, what do we do? Do we stand as that light or do we cower in fear for what they might think of us? That's why, folks, this is why I need to be baptized with the Spirit of God. That's why you need to be baptized with the Spirit of God. Don't rest in just the fact that your names are written in the book of life. Don't rest in the fact that your your salvation is sure. It, It is. If, you're, if you believe that you're a sinner, that Christ died for your sins, and, and he rose again and defeated death and hell, and he's coming back for us, if you believe that, the Bible says you are saved. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, that you're saved. If you really believe that, and you know it when it happens, you know when you're saved. So important to know that. Peter... He wrote to the, Peter was the apostle to the Jews, while Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And you know, I have, you know, when I think of Peter and Paul together, I can relate to Peter. I have a hard time relating to Paul, only because Paul was this man who, you know, he even says, you know, he was a a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was of, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was blameless concerning the law. It doesn't mean he was perfect, but when he made a mistake, he went through the, the, the law, and he atoned for his sin. He went through the religious rites and rituals. He went through the whole thing. And in that way, he was blameless. You know, I have a hard time relating to a man of that um, stick to of a man of that discipline. Because I'll be honest with you, that much of my life has been undisciplined, especially before I came to the Lord. And only since I've come to Christ has my life really started on this trek of discipline. And even then, I find myself resisting. But the Lord is doing a work, as he is in you. There's no need to be ashamed of that, because he's working. He's conforming us to his image. But Peter, I can, I can relate to Peter, because Peter is the impetuous one. Peter is the one who, when um, he answers questions that haven't been asked. <laughs> We're going to look at that this morning. Peter answered. Well, what, who asked the question? Nobody, nobody asked the question, but I'm there to answer. I'm there to answer, there to open my mouth. An insert foot, right? And that's what Peter was a lot like. He was very impetuous, very spontaneous. He wasn't a coward most of the time. 
He was a bold man, or, you know, at times he was bold. But we really see the greatness of what God did in his life on the day of Pentecost, because Peter went from a, a man who was, who was sometimes timid and a very self-assured, self-confident, to a man who was broken, and now God could use him. And on the day of Pentecost, he stands up and gives this sermon, a very short sermon. Any one of us could have read it in probably five minutes. And 3,000 souls are added to the church instantly. 3,000 people. That's a lot of folk. That's a lot of people. But I can relate to Peter because I'm often that way. And you know, before we get into this epistle, let's look at the life of Peter for a little bit. To look at some milestones in his life, because when we, we see the character of the man, we're going to understand this letter and where he came from. And you also see the living hope that Paul or that Peter had. Because it transformed his life. As you read this letter, you may think to yourself, for heaven's sakes, that you know, when you read this letter, it doesn't sound like some unlearned, undisciplined man. You read the letter and it sounds pretty schooled. <laughs> the way he uses his word, the things he chooses to use, his words, his thoughts, sound very much learned, and more learned than some of the Pharisees of his day. But yet he started off as, as really just a simple fisherman. And that's what God does. He takes simple and makes it something great. Is your life simple? Do you feel like you've had nothing? It, maybe you didn't go to college and nobody looks up to you. you know, I don't know why. I, I, this whole thing really drives me nuts, but... Um, you know, college seems to be this um, um, rite of passage. And isn't your life worth more than the degree you have behind your name? And yet there are many folks who are discouraged today because they don't have all that stuff. And Peter was one of those. Unlearned man. But he was, we're just going to look at a few milestones in his life. This morning, Andrew was the first disciple that came to Jesus, and he brought his brother Simon, who Peter's name was originally Simon, Simon, son of Jonah. And in John chapter 1, verse 40, it says, One of the two who heard John speak, because John the Baptist was on the scene, but one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And in verse 41, he says, He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ the anointed one, the Messiah. That's what it means. And I love what happens in the very next verse when Jesus encounters him. And so he brought him to Jesus, Andrew. He brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. You see, Cephas is Aramaic. And Cephas literally means a stone. One that you would get in your shoe when you're walking along a path somewhere in the southern tier or in Letchworth Park, if you've ever been there. Invariably, you get a stone in your shoe. And that's really what Cephas, his name means, is a stone. And in, in the Greek, it's Petros. Same idea. Just a small little stone, a rock or a small pebble. We call him Peter in English. We call him Peter. He was also given the keys, or actually, you know, just backing up here, when Jesus called him a stone, it's because of where Jesus found him. You know, Peter was really nothing. Peter knew that he was nothing, and yet God was going to, Jesus was going to take this man who he called a stone 
And through this three-year experience, this three and a half years, whatever it was, this relationship with Jesus, he would turn him into Petra. No longer Petros, but Petra. (laughs) He would turn him into a rock because of the truth that he proclaimed. And see, Jesus is wanting to do that in our lives too. And he was also, Peter was given the keys to the kingdom. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, that I, the Son of Man, am? And this was important to know. There's a lot of things that people say about Jesus today, but he said to his disciples, But who do you say that I am? Zeroing in on their hearts. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter was the first one to answer. And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter. You are Petros. You're this little rock. And on this rock, what is the rock he was referring to? It was the truth of what Peter just said, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the rock. Upon this rock, upon this truth, I will build my church. And that rock was Petra. It's a huge boulder. You go out into the Grand Canyon, you see these huge boulders. That's what he's talking about, this huge cliff, this huge mountain. That's what it was talking about. You're this little rock. But the truth upon what you just said, Peter, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon that rock, upon that truth, I'm going to build my church. And he has. He has built him. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And also in that same chapter, how quickly... We rise to a height, and how quickly we fall. (laughs) Because in that same chapter, Matthew 16 and verse 21, it says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third third day. And notice, then Peter took him aside. This is, again, the impetuous Peter. This is the one who is the one who who does things. He's he's like a a, a Martha. <laughs> he takes Jesus and he begins to rebuke him, saying, "Far be it from you, Lord, for this shall not happen to you." And this is after this great proclamation that he made just minutes later. You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Blessed are you, Simon. He's like, yeah, not too bad. All the other disciples are looking at him. He's like, yeah, check that out. I'm probably going to get a new car with the leather seats. (laughs) And then moments later, he falls from his pedestal of glory. He says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And so we just see in this the character of Peter. And, And I'm a lot like that. I really am. I can tend to say things before I really think about them. My wife, I I love my wife because one of her characteristics that I love so much is she's not so impetuous. She's not so spontaneous. 
She'll think about what she's going to say and formulate an opinion based on facts and intelligence. However, myself, I just, I got this Tourette syndrome. I just kind of share what's on my mind and on my heart to my own, you know, peril. But she actually thinks before she speaks, and Peter was one of those who didn't really think so much. So if, if you're that kind of person this morning, be encouraged because you're not alone. And notice what ha- also happened in the very next chapter in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 17, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and they, he led him up onto a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses, notice, and Elijah were there to them, appeared to them, and talking with them. And then Peter answered. Notice, nobody asked a question. Peter answered. Got to say something. Have you been in a room where something really awesome has happened? Maybe uh, something has happened and everyone's kind of shocked. They're kind of like, oh my, I don't know what to say. And you have that uncomfortable feeling where it seems like somebody should say something, but nobody wants to say anything because it's really awkward. Very awkward. Very awkward. Right? This is one of those moments. And Peter, like a bull in a china shop, is willing to run through those glass doors and say, ha, ha. Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What is he doing? He's really putting Jesus on the same playing field as these other created beings. Great men, no doubt. But is Jesus equal with Moses and Elijah? Should he be in the same you know, trophy lineup? No. He is the uncreated one. He is exalted far and high, so far and high above to not be compared with man. And I love the grace of God the Father. Look what happens. It says, While he was speaking, behold, a bright cloud, the Shekinah overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, God the Father, breaking in on this meeting and Peter's foolishness. And I love God didn't strike Peter with a thunderbolt, did he? Some people have this uh, understanding of who God is, and it's totally errant. It's full of error. That God is this angry Man up in the heavens. The old man upstairs. I hate that phrase. You ever seen somebody say, oh, the old man, the old man upstairs. I'm like, you have no clue who you're talking about. This man upstairs loves you with an everlasting love, right? But God the Father overshadows him and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. Forget about everybody else. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces. That's the very natural inclination of man in the presence of a holy God. When's the last time you fell on your face before God? You know, I'm not going to claim that I've seen some kind of, you know, an instance like this, but, you know, sometimes in your life, and and I wish they were more frequent, honestly, but there are times in my life where I just, I fall down on my face, and it's usually in times of great desperation. And I just sense, you know, God there with me, you know. If you're going through cancer, if you're going through some kind of, you know, thing, maybe you've had a relative, a son, recently pass away, and you're just at your wit's end. You can't understand it. What's the natural inclination? You just fall on your face, and you're like, God, I am, I am undone. <laughs> what can you do? What can you do, Lord? And he's like, you know what? And those are the times that are the sweetest, do you understand? And, and you've, maybe you've experienced those. He just loves you, and he, he wants to minister to you. And it's usually when we're at our end. That's where God begins. But so often, I'm never at my end. And so I don't see his miraculous works like I'd like to. 
I don't see those, I don't experience those moments where, like we see here, where they just involuntarily, they just fell on their faces because they're in front of God Almighty. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.